This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe Sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better host, or if you're looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com slash BWO or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month absolutely free. And now, enjoy the show. This is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, Will Ospreay, and you are listening to Busted Wide Open. Thank you! You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast, but if this is your first time joining the show, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 82, our Extreme Rules Recap. I'm Nick Howell. Yes, and ready to eat some humble pie because the oh, B-Team won. Oh, boy. I am Sir Ian Dangerous. <laughs> the I- prophecy! Uh, you got you got that one. I you show up the, where it counts. You show up where it counts. <laughs> WrestleMania, the B team. That's about it. That's about that's it. right. Extreme rules just happened. Um, it was extremely something. It was. I, I I can't say that it was a great show. It definitely had its moments. Uh, and then it had some really bad moments too, but it was, it was an up and down show. It was the definition of like a B show. Yeah, it was. You know what I mean? A lot yep. of. B matches and and not, not all of that we can really attribute to WWE. It's not mm. all their fault. Yeah, a good chunk of it, but some uh, of it could be attributed to Pittsburgh. Some of it could be attributed to Pittsburgh. In fact, let's dive right in on that. Let's let's dive right in just with like a little kind of overview of the show before okay. we get into the meat of the show. Um, it, it was so this was kind of also the definition of a dual branded show. You had a just crap ton of matches, like ten matches. A ton of matches, and even though they're doing the shows now at four hours, five with pre-show, a lot of the matches felt very short. Yeah, uh, they felt like like Raw and SmackDown matches because they did not have a lot of time to get anywhere with these matches. And I, I'm wondering if that's a, a, a good thing because some of them I liked the brevity, and other ones I was just like, that's it. That's all you're going to give me. <laughs> but at the same time, they had to get all of these feuds out there on this pay-per-view like there's a lot of stuff that they've been working on on their weekly shows that deserved to be on this show well i feel like there's this fine line that they're they're just honing that they're trying to find the middle ground of of length of overall pay-per-view versus quality of matches to put on the card and they they, they tried the individual pay-per-views but it was too frequent like we were getting pay-per-views every other week but at least the pay-per-views themselves were like we were getting a lot of matches where we i felt like they had time to tell them the the story sure, of the match you sure. know what i mean and i in a lot of ways as much as it was kind of crazy to have that many pay-per-views or that many big shows i liked the the fact that each show that we got i felt like we were paying off the feuds whereas this was just kind of helter skelter uh and it was the the worry i had about doing the dual branded and here's the thing I don't know if they're finding their footing. They've this is WWE. This is not their first rodeo. Right. It's not their first time doing dual branded pay per views. Like this has been years and decades of doing this. You know, it's not like they've got to somehow find a new formula. <laughs> <laughs> like this is what they've been doing. I don't know. They got that baller money now. So uh, well, that might be part of the problem. Is that you know, as it, as has been famously said across multiple platforms, they are now content providers. They're not wrestling promoters, and so they're not looking at giving us good, quote, wrestling matches necessarily. They're looking eh. at giving us moments that are going to pop up on social media and things that they can then put in bite form out into the, the world of the ether. M- multimedia content. Yeah. So they're, you know, they don't have to give us a big, long 30-minute epic match, although they did on this show. Um, but what's more effective for them and what obviously I think is more of their focus 
is the moments, like the the big oh my god moments, which we also had on this show. And there were some matches that I think that will get forgotten very quickly. Uh, and instead, all we'll, we'll remember is that one thing that happened. And maybe with some of these matches, that's for the best. Maybe. Yeah, so, there were several of those remembrance of that one thing that happened across several of these matches uh, throughout the night. And that's that was kind of my takeaway. I, I It wasn't until I got your, your notes today that I, I went back and went, oh, yeah, that happened. Right. Oh, yeah, that happened. Oh, yeah, that happened. And it, because I remember, it's almost like uh, the things that they want you to remember are what you remember. The other thing I'll say about this real quick is, uh, I don't know if I, if it was me, you know, having a Sunday at the pool drinking or having a big <laughs> spaghetti and meatballs dinner, but it took me three times uh, of rewinding and going back and watching because I kept nodding off during the thing, and I don't want to fault the show for that as I much think as that's you, dude, as, as my day that I had. It was a great Sunday, no, no, no bones about I it. I mean, but. let's look at let's look at what you just said. Right. I'm drinking in the pool. It's a hundred degrees in Los Angeles, and I eat a big spaghetti dinner. Yes. I'm going to blame your lifestyle and not the show. There, oh come on. Although Art. I'm not going to lie, there was a couple of points when I, you know, I'm sitting watching the show too, and I was relaxed on my couch, had a beer. Uh, there was a couple of points when I definitely found myself being lulled, <laughs> yeah. being lulled into a nice sense of security. But that being said, you know, overall, I think that just taking a step back and looking at the show, I mean, it's not backlash no. <laughs> from this year. You know what I mean? Like this was this was actually a decent show uh, overall. But uh, at the same time, I, I see a lot of places where we can really analyze this and critique it and question some things. Well, well I brought up Pittsburgh yes. uh, a few minutes ago. Let's let's talk about that for a minute because they were, you know, I, the one thing that stands out the most to me is that they were they were doing the Royal Rumble countdown during the Iron Man match. Oh man! And they were just weird stuff like that throughout the entire show, and it, I found myself being. Distracted. distracted from what was going on in the ring. Yeah, the crowd trying to get themselves over, if you will, or they're, or they're, if anything, they're, they're not, they're, they're too ADD. They're thinking about other things going on and not the match. Yeah. Um, and we can talk about this more when we get to it because the real major one that we saw that in was the Iron Man match. There was definitely a lot of matches where. I was surprised at reactions in certain places and other places where there wasn't a reaction. I was like, wow, that, this crowd is really weird. I remember it's bizarro thinking that. land again. It was, well, the P- wrong kind Pittsburgh, of bizarro, bizarro the land. The wrong kind of bizarro <laughs> land. Uh, but at the same time, the Iron Man match really was the point where we could really point out this audience, there's something going on here. Because as you said, they were really in it for themselves. They were not paying attention to the match. And part of that is definitely 100%. We lay that at the, at the feet of Pittsburgh and say, what are you guys doing? You know, Why are you... Uh, not more into the show and paying attention and getting your money's worth. You know, you're, you're here to f around. In what, frankly, was not a bad match. Seth no. versus Dolph was a decent match. It ended up being pretty good. Um, the problem is, is that it, at the same time, looking at WWE, uh, it's an Iron Man match, and the way that they've built Iron Man matches, at least in the modern era, is nothing matters until the last five minutes, and so we don't really have like. Part of it is the fact that for years and years and years, WWE has essentially told us, uh, don't care about the sports side of this, care about the entertainment side of this. Don't look at this as a sports competition, as a realistic struggle between two athletes. This is just going to be a lots of lots of you know high spots and, and popping entertainment and crazy stuff happening. So when you finally give us a match that supposedly is about two athletes competing, well, now the audience is going to rebel because they're bored because they're not getting what you've told us for years and years and years is what you provide. And so in some sense, psychologically, the audience has been conditioned by WWE to want, you know, just more, more, more all the time. And so in situations like this, I can see why an audience would be like, uh-huh. why is nothing happening? But there was all kinds of stuff happening. There was a lot of drama and story in that match. That's the thing is I can only lay it so much at the feet of WWE yeah. because, you know, at the same time, like this is a decent match and there was stuff happening that I do question some of the booking decisions in that match as sure. far as build and timing of everything. But uh, at the end of the day, the audience went out on its own long before that started like that was really uh, uh, the case in the match. Yeah, and and frankly, you know, there was a lot. Let's not talk about. I want to get into the match later. Yes, as we as it, you know, there's a lot of things to talk about around that match in particular. Let's kick things off with the pre-show. Um, we had a match against Andrade Cien Almas facing off against Sankara. Yes, a rematch uh, from last SmackDown. Yeah, I was going to say this. This felt like a TV match, but at the same time. 
It was almost match of the night. It was really good. Well, it was really good, but so was their match on SmackDown. Like these guys yeah. have great chemistry; they work really well together. It was a very basic match to make Cena almost look like what he's supposed to be, which you know basically is a heel that has a manager that will cheat for him and and help him when he's still he's he's a guy who can finish matches on his own, but he's got a manager as well. Um, but this is kind of more of the hey, the Mexican guys are going to pull the curtain kind of trope. You know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Like we got a couple of Mexican wrestlers who aren't wrestling really for anything other than they were friends and now they're not. Okay, they're going to pull the curtain. At least they were on the show. But Cien Almas, if you know anything about him, should not be pulling a curtain. No. Uh, and hopefully this is just a way to get him out in front of people. I mean, here's the thing. New Day was also on the pre-show. So it's not like something we can say the pre-show is a place that's that's bad. A lot of people are, are freaking out that Cien Almas was on the pre-show. Look, New Day was on the pre-show. Like, yeah. it's not a big deal with a du- dual-branded pay-per-view. To be on the show at all is a good sign. Yeah. So I'm not too worried about this right now you know who, what other former nxt champion longtime nxt champion was not on the show tonight bobby rude bobby rude and so and at least Samoa he got joe. on the show and, and Samoa. Samoa joe yeah so no it's it's yeah exactly so at least cn was on the show that's two big big guys who were not anywhere on the show and i actually expected a Samoa Joe run in a couple of times but pff, didn't happen uh we did not know this match was coming although we had heard it rumored uh, so we didn't have a pick him for it, but we did have a pick him for the other. We match. would have picked almost. We would have picked almost all day. All day. Like, it wouldn't, wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> Think cars are going to win that match. Come on. Let's just give and ourselves new. a gratuitous point there. Yeah. Each. Okay. <laughs> Touche. Right. Uh, new day versus sanity for in a tables match was also on the pre-show. Uh, unfortunately, unlike their matches with the Usos, this was a bit of kind of a, a formulaic tables match, a bunch of great spots. Uh, it, it was, a, it was a fun match. It just wasn't mind blowing, and the fact that they we are that's my problem with modern tables matches where if you go through the table, the match is over. Everything becomes a uh, oh my god, he's gonna go through the table. Yeah, it becomes yeah. an anticipation spot, and right. it's, like the uh, the rest of the action, it's like okay, same thing as like the Iron Man match. Unless they're near a table, I'm not worried about anything happening in this match. And we had a, a couple of great spots. Kofi doing that massive double stomp on the two guys in the electric chair, in the electric chair position in the ring was a cool spot. There were some big. There bumps. was no table under him though. So did anybody care? I cared. I thought it was pretty good. But <laughs> it that's was my beautiful. Best, but no. But, but to your point, yeah, it was. It was like that's a great spot. But you know, I didn't feel like anything was going to happen after it. So uh, yeah, that was a bit of the. I, I think a bit of the thing that took away from this match was that it was a tables match. Ironically, on a show for Extreme Rules where you want, I wanted to have more Extreme Rules matches. I I'm starting to not like the modern tables match format where yeah. I just, I feel like uh, it, it hurts the booking of the rest of the match. Just give me no DQ extreme rules with all the weapons you want and tables included. That, yeah. That's really what this should have been or something. I, I, you know, I could even, I would even wouldn't mind going back to like a, some sort of like a hardcore championship, although it's hard to do in the PG era, yeah. but we kind of had that with the the raw women's match was kind of an old school hardcore match WWE style hardcore match. I think Let we're me clarify. Both, I think we're both on record saying we want the hardcore titles and matches back. I want the 24-7 title. It doesn't have to be hardcore. Yeah. Just a 24-7 title because dear God the you amount defended in a Denny's. The, you know? the <laughs> amount of the amount of time they got out of and like good like uh, segments they got out of that 24-7 championship was incredible. Yeah. And I'm not an advocate for bringing around more belts by any stretch. We're, we're already oversaturated with belts. But having and we're going off on a tangent here, but screw it. Why not? We haven't gotten to the main show yet. The, having one belt that could go between brands, even in the NXT, and it was just a 24-7 belt, just to add a little bit of chaos, a little bit of craziness to everything. I think that would be fun. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Do we sanity, want more of this feud? Uh, yeah, absolutely. This, I feel this barely, barely got started. I like oh, yeah. the work that I was seeing. I would rather see this not in a tables match. I thought it was good to have it as a tables match because it let Sanity pick up a fairly easy, clean win. Uh, and look good doing it because basically New Day could not handle their chaos. Uh, however you want to put it. Yeah, we both called this. We said Sanity's going to come out. They need a win, a strong win over a big team coming out of the gate. They got that. This was good booking. Uh, well done. We both yep. picked that correctly. Great signature win for Sanity. Absolutely. Uh, moving on to the main show. Here we go, Nick. Your your moment of glory. My prophecy is coming true. Yes. B uh, team. I want to continue on this. I think I've, I've, I've speculated it on it uh, on previous shows about why this was going to happen. B team versus the leaders of worlds. Yep. And B team picks up the victory. Draping yep. draping DDT. Bo Dallas onto Matt Hardy. Uh, after Bray, uh, Bray Wyatt and uh, Curtis Axel get knocked off the apron. So so go ahead, Nick. 
Give us, give us your spiel. Take, take the stage, my friend. You have earned it. You had, you prophesized. Yes. You did prophesy. You, you told us specifically in your words. You said, "I tell, I'm telling you, I've been telling you for a long time. I'm telling you guys, this is going to happen." I was virulently against this. I said, "B team, absolutely, is going to, they're going to lose here. They're going to push the leaders of worlds." You, you even said you were going to go find the clip yep. to play it back for me. I did, and I, you know, I, I almost spitefully went and got the clip so that I could you put in a, a Dolph Ziggler record scratch and play it back. But <laughs> I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not that spiteful. So, uh, sportsmanship. Hashtag sportsmanship. So anyway, here's what's going to happen. AOP is going to show up tonight on Monday Night Raw and just absolutely destroy them. And I think we're going to end up leading to because the the whole prophecy around this that I that I had is that this is the thing that we've been waiting for for months and months and months. We all we know have? that the Raw Tag Team Division is in shambles. Ah. It needs a full on reboot. We've got to start with somebody really strong. They kind of did it over on SmackDown Live with the Bludgeon Brothers. I think we're going to see a template of the same thing with AOP over on Monday Night Raw. And this was a great way to kind of get it, to, I don't want to say end the Woken thing uh, between Matt and Bray, but I think they are going to split those guys back up. Uh, I think they might they be They should. They should at this point. It's kind of done. It's 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 I run mean, its course. They, I mean, we've been saying it for the entire run of our show, yeah. virtually, that Bray Wyatt is dead. Yeah. Everything about him is he dead. adds nothing to the Woken thing. And they have killed Matt Hardy yeah. uh, and, and the Woken gimmick. It's, that's been DOA ever since they finally got their hands on it. Yep. Um, so we're, so, about, we're about four, let's see, about three, four hours away from Raw. I'll be, I would be surprised if we did not see some sort of either at least a challenge or a come out and interfere with a match and put them on notice b team comes out to celebrate in their in the way that they do another AOP, barbecue you know? aop comes to just wreck them yes. yeah I, I i have to say now that this has happened now that b team has picked up the win their cinderella story has come to a, a peak if you will uh yeah that makes sense to me that that aop would be the next guys to come in and wreck them i could also see there being an ongoing program with the leaders of worlds that would be the wrong decision. Agreed. Uh, AOP is which is absolutely... probably why they're going to go that way. <laughs> Unfortunately, oh ye of little faith. Yeah. Um, but no. So stepping back for a second, obviously this was a this was a neat win. The audience was a little bit weirded out because they don't know whether to root for the B team or not, yeah. and no one knows what to think about the leaders of worlds really. Uh, so when this when this happened, the audience, you know, the B team wins, and the audience was kind of like, um, yay, we think. Okay. I mean, kind of cool. All right. Here's the problem. Why was that pulling the curtain on your main show? Why was Especially that your first right match? after New Day versus Sanity, which was ten times better? Well, and, and the this tables is the match. thing is maybe live that was a that was a good thing, but you know this is the main show. As much as they want to say that the pre-show is the beginning of the show, a lot of people really do start watching the main show. They don't yeah. watch the pre-show, so this was the opening match. And usually they put a really hot match here. This was not a hot match no. at any stretch, and it, it was a very slow moving match. Lots of rest rest holds. Matt Hardy has got all of the 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 movement ability of a turtle right now, <laughs> uh, you know. So it's this was not, I don't think, a good way to start the show. A small nitpick because I was entertained, but yeah. at the same time, I, I I was surprised that this opened the show. Yeah, I think they could have easily flipped them and had a, a bigger opening with Balor and Corbin, which was our next match on the card, and maybe pulled with that and had the Raw Tag Championships in, right next to the SmackDown Live Women's Championships. But even that was not a hot... They did not have a whole lot of hot matches on the yeah. show. So I I mean, looking down how with how they booked the show, I don't know what else they would have put top of the show. Yeah. And that's kind of also on them for not building more hot matches. But, you know, so obviously, as we said, you did pick this. That was the, the, big, the big moment. I got one. You got that one. Uh, but Finn Balor, Bar Cor Baron Corbin was next, and this should not have pulled the curtain either because it was kind of a, it was just a match. It was a little guy fighting a big guy and overcoming him with a with a small package roll up. He countered the end of days into a roll up. Um, this still feels like a very nascent feud. Like either it's a nothing feud that's just kind of going on to to have things happen, or tonight Corbin will retaliate and it'll grow into something bigger. It's just getting started. Uh, which is too bad because this match really could have been helped by some extreme rules, mm -hmm. like a, you know, some sort of stipulation, some sort of crazy extra thing going on besides just little guy versus big guy. Whoop de doo, let's go. Uh, let's move on to the next one because it wasn't a long match either. I mean, maybe seven, eight minutes. Yeah, not even ten minutes. So for me, this one, I think both of these guys looked okay coming out of this match. It was not a hot match. It was something you should have seen on TV. 
But at the, at the really end of the felt day, like a TV match. It yeah. really felt like a TV match, and I I've, I don't fault either of the two guys. I like the quick roll up on the big bad uh, when you when you dodge his big finishing move that is still booked very strong. So if he had landed that end of days, it would have been hard for Finn to have kicked out of that and not had Corbin win. But I like the way that they did the roll up here. Finn looks good coming out of it. He gets a sneaky win over. Yeah, I don't know if I could say that he looks good coming out of it, largely because. You know, once again, well, he got looked, a win. Finally, he got a win. Finally, that was <laughs> definitely good, but it didn't look like he it looked like he had to sneak out the win. Yeah. You know what I mean? It didn't look like, oh, yeah, I can handle this guy. He didn't look like an ex universal champion. He looked like a guy who was basically working a Baron Corbin match. Frankly, and we've he seen since he came back when we've seen Baron Corbin matches before. This is pretty much how they go. Yeah. Um, and that's not. I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. No. It's not. You know, I'm not. It's not a bad thing. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's. It's. You know. But it's not a Jinder Mahal match. But it's. I'm so glad he shaved his head. By the way, he, oh, it, it looks so much better. The whole constable thing is fantastic. It's working for me. Best thing that happened to him. Having ever. JoJo have to reannounce his his thing properly. No, it's great. fantastic. That, I love that, it. That, the whole gimmick is fantastic. I just hope that they they dial this up a bit. If we're going to see more of this. Dial it up, get it more hot, piss Finn off a little bit, piss Baron off a bit. Let's get these guys mad at each other and give us some heat because I think this could be a good feud. And I would love to see Finn Balor was saying something before the the uh, the show where he said, you know, yeah, Baron's pissing me off, and I know he's Stephanie's boy, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be make anyone mad at me. But if I got to piss off Stephanie to kick the, kick this guy's ass, I'm going to piss off Stephanie. I like that. I would love. I would love to see him interfere with as, as a as an advocate of Stephanie's uh, in all of Finn's matches. So if Finn yeah, has a match tonight, exactly. have him come in and give make it a handicap match or add some kind of stipulation or something yeah. just to tweak at Finn a little bit. I I'm think not, that would build the feud. Yeah, because I'm not a really a fan of having you know authority figures be big parts of the show. But when a wrestler is also partially an authority figure, I don't mind that as much because he's a wrestler. He's not just you know authority figure there to get himself over. Um, he can come in and mess with somebody else, and then you can see this authority figure get his ass kicked like we did here. They just need to establish that dynamic a little bit more strongly. Is yeah, my point exactly. Um, which which shouldn't that's not it wouldn't take a lot to do. I think it's very doable. So I picked Corbin here. You picked Finn Balor. You take the point on my the, boy the small package roll up. My boy Finn finally getting one in the win column. Yeah. Uh, but now we get to go talk about one of what I'm going to call the garbage matches on the show because this match was garbage. Uh, Carmella versus Asuka with James Ellsworth in a shark cage. Unsurprisingly, James Ellsworth does escape the shark cage because apparently everyone who works for WWE are a bunch of morons and did not frisk him for the uh, can of mace, the chain, the big uh, the big heavy iron chain, or the, the lock picking set, all of which he had hidden in his sweatshirt that had just you know the one pocket in the front no one decided to look at that um, good job mike kyoto clear in the ring there was like six dudes getting him into this cage and right. obviously we found out why there were six dudes getting this cage because at some point he does get out of the cage tries to escape but then gets hung upside down by one of the silly scarves he has tied around his ankles because he was trying to look cool uh obviously if you looked closely you could see that that wasn't really a uh, a silly scarf it was a harness that all a these, stunt harness he that was all tied these guys, to. <laughs> he had, yeah, they, they were one, he was hanging upside down here because he screwed up. He's hanging upside down over the ring from the shark cage, and his shirt comes up, and you see this nice big harness attached to his stomach, and the, the announcers are playing it off like it's Spanx, which I thought was that was funny. Well but, played. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, he's very obviously in a harness falling from this thing. Um, and then Carmella's outside, and Oscar just starts teeing off on him like a pinata. That was fun. But then Car- Carmella comes back in, uses the distraction to bounce Asuka's head off of the cage and pick up the one, two, three. Uh, the, the only good part about this match was Asuka, when all of the guys got in, tried to help Ellsworth while he's hanging upside down, all of the staff guys tried to get in. She beat the crap out of them, sent them out of the ring, continued to beat up Ellsworth. After the match, beat the absolute piss out of Ellsworth and a whole bunch of more of the, uh, the tech guys tried to get in the ring. So Asuka does look still like a killer and she got her music played she stood tall there at the end and, and it's, it's even after the match sure i sure, think i ended up but, texting you here's my exact text i'm gonna read it, it blows my mind they're doing this to oscar yeah and and that's really what i want to talk about here is because 
You had someone coming up that had the, one of the longest reigns in WWE history as a champion, and and this is the kind. And granted, what I have to look at on the pros and cons is she's in women's championship matches. Yes. she's at the top of the card. Yes, okay. For how long? I don't know, but it's it's is this what we're gonna do with the woman that set those records and shattered everything and set the bar? It's it's relieving to see how strongly she was booked, except for the loss. But the thing is, is again, short term memory. This is just going to be two losses to Carmella in two pay per views in a few months. We're not going to see we all the way screwy, back to WrestleMania and Charlotte lost. Yeah, the screwy finishes. This is you know there's there's something going there's something going wrong with Oscar's career right now. Yeah. If you look at this from a kayfabe standpoint, um, and it's all to get Carmella over. The problem is, is Carmella is not getting over the way they want her to get over. People are are getting the go away heat with her. It's yeah. not the kind of good heel heat that you want because it's not coming across as uh, her being a really devious heel so much as her opponents are being stupid and she's just getting lucky and she's not, uh, she's not portraying the kind of uh, charismatic arrogance that's going to get her over as the kind of heel that they're booking her to be. Right. Um, She's coming across basically as bumbling her way into a bunch of successes. And that's, it's Irri- not going to last very long. It's irritating and not in the right way. Agreed. Um, and especially in the, in the modern days of smarkiness, we don't look at this and 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 say, "Wow, what a great heel! That's a hilarious win." Like we, like we will be talking about in the next match. Um, this is this is the kind of win where we see someone like Asuka made made to look like a fool, essentially, and not you know through no fault of her own. We're sitting here going, "The booking is making her look like a fool." She's not actually a fool. Um, everyone in this match looked bad. And and I love I I actually respect Carmella a lot I like her a lot on the mic, um, but this is this is kind of the gender experiment of 2018. Yeah, that's a great really, way to put it. Is is the Carmella experiment where she does not have a whole lot of tools in ring? Um, although she does, she I think she I think if you really put the sticks to it, she might be a better wrestler than gender, and she's a hundred times better on the mic than he is. Um, I still think that this is sacrificing some of your bigger stars' legitimacy to try and get over someone who it's question like a heel who doesn't really feel legitimate and, and you don't really want to see them beaten other than to just get them off of your TV. Yeah. So I, that's, I, I worry about where they're going with all this. Hopefully this is leading us to uh, a Becky Lynch win at SummerSlam or a redemption win for Oscar at SummerSlam. I'm hoping it's the, the latter of those two, but I, th- I think we've got a Becky program coming later this year, but I, I, I don't want to see Oscar written off at this point. No. Uh, and and you know condemned back down if Becky and Charlotte do come back and begin to take things back over going sure. into the second half of the and year sideline Oscar and that would just oh, that would suck man that would be there's terrible. Knows that there's, there's enough talented women on the sidelines on SmackDown right now with nothing to do yeah. whether it's Naomi or the Iconics or you know to some extent Becky where she's been for the last year or two. Uh, but yes, I did say Carmella would pick this one up. I had flighty aspirations that we were going to move forward with Oscar, but nope, doesn't look like no, it. No, sir. I was I was sadly realistic about this, but we got to move forward and talk about a uh, the U.S. Championship match match in quotations. <laughs> um, this is how you do heel work. Yes, Nakamura. Uh, as much as we have bitched and complained about the overuse of the peen shasa, you have. I love it. <laughs> I thought I, I I'm an I was 12 year old. Well, yes, but I also was mad that the entire AJ Styles uh, Nakamura feud will be boiled down to dick people punches. Pe- to dick punches. Yeah, uh, that irritates me. But this was cool because it was it, I mean, it happened so quickly. They're getting set up in the ring. Nakamura versus Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy's got really cool face paint on. I love that he's going back to that gimmick. He says it's kind of an homage to the Ultimate Warrior and that sort of thing. And I'm like, dude, you're way better than the Ultimate Warrior when it comes yeah. to face paint. Just face, bring his old music his back. His face paint is incredible. Yeah. Um, but uh, while the ref's setting up, he has his back turned. Nakamura runs over and gives Jeff a gigantic pinchasa and then just beautifully kind of innocently walks away, taking off his like, like he's getting ready for the match. And the ref turns around like, what the hell? Jeff's crumpled on the floor and Nakamura just innocently like, what? I'm just getting ready for the match. It was, <laughs> that was glorious. Heel Nakamura is just delicious. I, I love him. And then Jeff, you know, writes himself enough to say he wants the match. And then boom, Kinshasa, one, two, three, six second win. Or Nakamura, he is your new U.S. champion. Yeah. Through brilliant heel tactics, uh, yeah. This 
night and day between Carmella the heel and Nakamura the heel. Nakamura is, I mean, they keep referring to him as, him as the artist. And it's one of those things I hated when he first came up. This was a work of art in terms of a heel squash match to take a title. Uh, but that's not all. But we weren't done. No. <laughs> I thought that was going to be it, and that was it. Surprise. Hashtag out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Randy Orton returns. And uh, Nakamura very quickly scuttles out of the ring, goes and stands on one of the announce desks. Well, Randy gets in the ring, looks like he's going to help up Jeff Hardy, but then does some Randy Orton things and stomps the crap out of Jeff Hardy's poor crotch. Uh, stands around looking at Nakamura, who's just sitting there basically saying, what the hell in Japanese? Yeah. And uh, although I think he was actually mouthing stuff in English to, to his credit. I think, <laughs> what the hell? Uh, Randy Orton walks away. So yeah. Randy Orton heel uh, turn or was that Randy Orton uh, just doing Randy Orton things? This is old school Randy Orton doing old Randy Orton things that I have missed for many, many years. And I'm glad to see this Randy Orton coming back, just kind of almost being this mercenary renegade that just doesn't give an F about anything that anything that anybody puts him into. I don't know why they don't do this more often. It worked yes. for Stone Cold. Yes. Right. Yes. That's that where it worked for him. Like he would he would stunner fan favorites week in and week out yeah. and people would love him for it like you don't have to have this you know a guy who just always is helping out the faces even if it doesn't help his like it's not right for his character yeah you know what i mean like uh but here, so here's the thing so randy's back maybe going into a program with nakamura we have a rematch jeff hardy nakamura on tuesday well jeff's going out for he's got some kind of injury his shoulder he's, stuff his right? back is screwed up he's got numbness in his fingers uh, he hasn't been doing the Swanton Bomb at house shows, for example. So it doesn't surprise me. That, it didn't surprise me at all this was a quick match. I expect another quick match on Tuesday. Uh, and then Jeff Hardy's going to go away for a while, and we'll probably settle into possibly a Randy Orton Nakamura. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't. I think a lot of people are calling Randy Orton to be heel right now. And I'm like, nah, dude, I think that's just Randy Orton things, and he's going to be the face against Nakamura. Yep. Nakamura already holds a win over him on TV. So I'm curious to see what they do as far as this feud. I I, I remember at the time, I think it was last September or yeah, so. Yeah, thereabouts. Um, in the midst of the gender stuff that was going yeah, on between well, it was, them. It was right when, there was there, a Randy and Shinsuke there was program a Shinsuke in there. Shinsuke and Cena match they gave away on TV, and then a Shinsuke and Randy match they gave away on TV. And both of them, we were like, what are you doing? Yeah, morons. Uh, but now that we've gone, uh, gotten a little bit away from that, I could see them building to a program and trying to make it sound extremely epic. Uh, I'm very curious to see what they do that with that. Um, but again, yeah, uh, Nakamura, your new U.S. champion, and uh, I love it. Yeah, we both picked that one as well. It was it was kind of a no brainer, but well, you had to give Nakamura the belt at this point yeah. with if everything. You, that, if you gave him another loss in a uh -uh. title opportunity, it's you it, might as well just you know call the call the Undertaker call and have him bury him. He's lost to gender. He's lost to AJ. Just he's done. Yep. You know, so he had to pick this up, and he picked it up super strong. So that was a that was a that was another great booking decision in this pay-per-view, which will be a theme, by the way. They've had a bunch of good booking decisions, I thought. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the cage match. Kevin Owens and Braun Strowman in a in a cage, inexplicably in a cage. Uh, Kevin Owens being bullied by Braun over the last few weeks. For some reason, the monster just doesn't like him, and so has decided to make Kevin his personal punching bag and has been just beating him up ever since just before money in the bank yeah. and then all through the money in the bank match. And then ever since has been just finding him and flipping his cars and tossing him off stages in porta potties. Uh, and you know, because what you do when you're being bullied is you go to an authority figure and say, Hey, this bully is, is beating me up and I need some help. I'm, I'm appealing to the authority figure for justice. Well, in this case, the authority figure uh, goes and puts you in a cage match with said monster so that the monster can beat you up even more. That's uh, that's how things work in WWE, apparently. So Kevin Owens had to face off against Braun Strowman in this cage and frankly uh, held his own for a bit. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was mostly spots of him trying to escape and yes. Braun tugging him back down. Naturally. And, you know, there was one time where the door came open and Braun stopped him from getting out. And it was kind of a, a very stereotypical cage match formula. Yes, but, you know, that, that being said, there was the one moment where Braun did stand up in front of Kevin and say, you know, you're fight Owens fight, so fight me. And Kevin found his resolve. But that's kind of the problem then, too, because... That's very much the heel and face dynamic being inverted. You know, Kevin is yep. the littler guy who's finding his will to fight against the much bigger guy. It was, it, you know, kind of like bronze a heel now. Uh, but that in that moment, it felt that way, even yeah. though, you know, he was like he was instigating Kevin to try and fight. I don't know if they had if they had 
Uh, I'm trying to think of how they could have changed the dynamic with what they had already established with this feud so that it was something where Braun was trying to bring out something in Kevin Owens, uh, some sort of heroism or, or bravery or sure. whatever. You know what I mean? Like there was a point to it beyond just Braun smash. But uh, at any rate, this match went on until Kevin, in a brilliant heel, heel move, uh, handcuffed Braun to the ring ropes and then uh, gave him the suck it sign and, and blew him a kiss and, and tried to go escape. Braun, of course, being the monster, snapped the handcuffs and mm. went right after him. And then in easily far and away, what was the spot of the night was uh, Braun Strowman, by the way, terrifyingly quickly getting up on top of that cage, grabbing Kevin Owens by the neck and hucking him off the top of the cage onto the announce table. That's one of the scariest spots I've seen in years. Yep. I'm just going to throw that out there. Like you can like there's been higher spots. There's been, uh, you know, there's been bigger spots. But if you look at where Kevin was and Braun was and the fact that Kevin had to, he was no look. Kevin did, didn't look like he was even looking where he was going unless it was in his peripheral because he was looking straight ahead. And Braun had to throw him off the top of the cage so that Kevin landed perfectly on his back on that announce table and did not miss or hit the floor or bounce off the edge. Like Kevin came down perfectly on the middle of the table, like maybe bumped his head on the edge a tiny bit, but uh, I don't know if they could have if he could have hit it any more perfectly. Yeah. And for that from that distance and that angle, that was incredibly dangerous and incredibly well executed. That I, I was terrified. How do you practice that? You I don't think you do. <laughs> That's my point, is that you know, there's no way to prepare or practice for that. So you gotta get it right or someone's gonna be really seriously injured. There was a there was an I was I went back and watched it three or four times just to see like how they executed it. And it reminded me very much of Undertaker and Mankind with the way that he threw him. Yes, um, it wasn't a like a Shane O'Mac spot where he just got, he looks, jumps off, gives himself the cross. It's and almost then falls. like a limp. Uh, Kevin Owens just goes kind of limp as Braun just shoves him off with yeah. the perfect amount of power. Yep. to Kevin doesn't roll him over and and land. And yeah. The, how do you? I mean, they must have been in like the foam pits or something. Like, there's got to be some way you practice that. I, I you think, can't just do that. I think cold. foam pits would be the only way. But here's the thing: even with the mankind spot, mankind's looking straight forward as he goes off and then rotates and hits the table poorly. By the way, with his right. shoulder and dis and dislocates his shoulder when he hits the table. Um, this spot was perfect. And it, again, if you go back and look at this, this this was terrifying. And for all the flack that New Japan got recently with the Hiromu Takahashi injury and them working with dangerous spots, you know, and we talked about it last week in the show. And one aspect of that we didn't talk about was the fact that Dragon Lee had wrestled three matches in 24 hours and was tired. And so might not have had the muscle ability to pull off that crazy spot that he did. It's still just a suplex. This is throwing a man off the top of a cage. And there's much more room for serious, serious injury with this for everyone who's trying to defend WWE as being more safe. This was nuts. But by man, props to both these guys for making this as safe as it possibly could be by perfect execution. Yeah. Um, but what a hell, I mean, we can get into the minutiae of it. Let's step back and just say, holy crap, what a spot. Oh my God, jumped up and down. Definitely the spot of the night and another big moment that you're going to see in a whole bunch of Braun Strowman and or Kevin Owens highlight reels further on in their careers. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, next up we had the... Uh, real quick, real quick, I just want to say that I did call this match. I oh. did say uh, Kevin Owens was winning by escaping the cage. He did escape it. Yeah, he did escape that's it. questionable, though. He won the match. He, he won did the match by touching the, the floor. His sure, feet technically. the floor first. He was first. thrown off the cage. He didn't escape the cage. And escape is escape, Nick. Uh, okay. Well, hey, let's move on and talk about the SmackDown Live Championship match between the Bludgeon Brothers and Team Hell No, which I actually, you know, I was 50-50 on this. I thought they might, act, as much as they were putting them over, they had Team Hell No on the banner of Extreme Rules on the network and just all the, uh, the ad spots and everything building and building and building. I actually thought they might put them on Team Hell No as a nostalgia send-off. You were right about the B team. You were not right about Team Hell No. Yeah. Um, I, this one was just, it was too much of Kane just is not going to be working the schedule. He's going to go become mayor. He's going to become mayor at this yeah. point. Like it's almost a shoe in. Um, so it does kind of negate the Kane send off theory though, because the story of this was that the bludgeon brothers attacked Kane and Daniel before the match broke Kane's ankle. So Daniel had to wrestle half this match, uh, in a handicap match. 
which is fine. It's the Daniel Bryan things, right? He's the underdog. He's always facing a bunch of bigger opponents, and his plucky grit will get him there. Yep. And he held his own. That was the weird thing. Both members of the Bludgeon Brothers and Daniel Bryan are down outside the ring. Daniel's got Daniel's holding his own. And then Kane comes out with the boot on uh, on his broken ankle to come out and, quote, save the day. Daniel Bryan didn't look like he was needing saving no. at that moment. That he, was the weird he thing. He actually about the could have pulled it off. <laughs> it looked like he was pulling it off. You know, there was that was my big issue with this match was why like there was I had so many questions like why would you book this this way if you're going to have Kane come out for the save have him come out for a save not when Daniel Bryan looks like he's mostly got this under control one two at the end of the match Kane gets Kane comes in uh, looks good choke slams people finally gets taken down makes it over Daniel Bryan who comes in and then gets pinned uh, why do it that way. Why not have Kane heroically go out trying to save his friend and Daniel Bryan being held back? Something where Kane or have Kane, you know, have Kane eat the pin regardless. Right. Um, I mean, I understand if they want to have Daniel Bryan and the Bludgeon Brothers feuding going forward. And so now Daniel Bryan has a, a pinfall to try and recoup from from them. But th- this made no sense. I mean, I can see there's a few more weeks before Kane will have to go away to be mayor. That's the, that's the early part of August. Right. So we have a couple more weeks. We could see some more come out of this. But with all that they've built up for this with with, you know, Kane trying to essentially redeem himself for being, you know, a psychopath to Daniel Bryan after Team Hell No broke up. Uh, there was a different story that could have been told in this match and told more cleanly and more clearly. This was just a nonsensical uh, a bunch of nonsensical booking decisions. Is this the last we're going to see of Kane? Do you think he shows up Tuesday? I I can't see them. I mean, well, here's the thing. They're now saying he's got a broken ankle. Like, and he may. And here's the thing. He may legit have a bum ankle. Like, I'm, I'm hearing rumors that it may have been in some parts legit, and that's why they booked the match this way. But even so, you could have worked around it better yeah. than they did. Um, I could see Kane showing up for a one more send off. But if this is how they're letting Kane go, and he's going to go be mayor for a few years. That's a that's a crap way to let it go. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's I would I would have loved to see him come in, cost Daniel what he had built up, eat the pin like you said, and have that be his kind of at the Bludgeon Brothers walk off, and you play the Kane music. Maybe you give him pyro one last time, something. and he leaves the mask in the ring. It's a send off, kind of something like that. Well, even to if make you don't it do that, worth it. Have him have a heroic send off where he where you know he sacrifices himself for Daniel Bryan and redeems himself. And then he's gone. Yeah. He's gone with the injury. Something. It Drags just, him to hell through the ring or something. I don't even know? need to be that. Like, have him go off as a face. I mean, whatever. Yeah. Just something a, a little bit more, like, tie the bow a little more. This just feels like it got thrown in the corner. So, the Bludgeon Brothers pick up the win. Daniel Bryan takes the pin. Uh, you picked this one. Pick that one again. I, uh, hopefully. On a roll. On a and, roll yes, here. Ex- until the next match, which both of us called wrong, Bobby Lashley versus Roman Reigns. First of all, we also said this was going to main event because we were pessimistic. Thank God, another great booking decision was to put this in not the middle of the show, but the about two-thirds into the show. That was the right place for this match. Yes, it was. It was the perfect place for this match. It was where this match deserved to be as far as the importance of this feud. It's where it deserved to be in terms of how, quote-unquote, hot or not this feud was. And frankly... I think that the, that the fact that they put it here was one of the reasons why it was as well received as it was. They were the audience was crapping on this match for at least the first half to two thirds, and Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns got the audience back into this match. And I think there's a number of reasons for that. Uh, one, I think it's because uh, they worked a good match. You know, uh, two, I think that Roman is better when he's working strong, when he's not the underdog. That's what got him over was the big, strong dude who can kick people's butts. And those people have to fight back against him. And Roman definitely took it to Lashley for the first half of this match. And when Lashley started fighting back and then they were going toe to toe, it was cool. And it worked because Lashley is believably a badass dude as well. Um, So I thought that 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 those both of those things and the placement on the card all helped to bring the audience Back into this match, which they really wanted to crap on, and they were, you know, they were doing the typical Rusev Day beach ball chance at the beginning of this match. They were invested by the end. And the third thing that really helped this match was the correct person won. Bobby Lashley picks up the win with a out of nowhere spear. One spear. Countering Roman's Roman was setting up for his spear. Lashley comes in and and you know hits yeah. him with his. It was like a lol Bobby wins. Yes. You know what I mean? Out of nowhere, Bobby picks up a one, two, three. That 
I was shocked. Very shocked. Uh, pleasantly shocked. Pleasantly surprised. Very much so. This was the right decision. Yeah. But neither of us picked it. Neither of us picked it because we were pessimistic. We, we've been conditioned. Right. And that's, I think, <laughs> another reason why this was kind of a relief is now. So one other thing we have to address here is earlier in the show, Kurt Angle was backstage and said, okay, with this Brock issue that's going on, we've finally come to a, a decision on what's going to happen. Uh, he wants to go show up on UFC and challenge their champion. Well, he's our champion. That's not going to stand. So Brock's going to show up on Raw, or he's going to give us uh, an you know tell us who he's going to face at SummerSlam, or we're going to strip him of the title. That got like the biggest pop of the night. I by stood the way. up and went, "Yes!" It got the biggest pop yes! in the arena. They should have. I mean, here's the thing. At first, my first instinct was to say they should have done this last week on Raw. They shouldn't have. This was the perfect place to say this. Because you can't then have people wonder, wondering why the Roman and Lashley match was not a number one contendership match. Yeah. Uh, now we know, but it does have much more implications for Brock Lesnar now. And especially now that Lesnar won, uh, Bobby Lashley won, uh, we can now speculate on having a Lesnar-Lashley match. And even the commentary brought up the fact that now he's in the contendership conversation. 100%. If he wasn't before. And yep. here's the other thing is, if Lesnar's going to go do UFC, it could be a really intriguing matchup to have someone with actual MMA chops like Bobby Lashley. There's a reason we call him Lesnar, and it's, it's not just being silly or funny. It's because... You know, with the with the one exception that Brock is a sociopathic misanthrope and Bobby seems like a fairly nice guy. Yeah. Um, they're all but the same, except that, you know, Bobby's African American and Brock is a jacked white boy, as he likes to say. So aside from that, they're very similar. They both have done professional wrestling and football. They're both enormous athletic amateur wrestling backgrounds. Amateur wrestling backgrounds. They're both really impressive physical specimens. And they can both fight MMA. And that means if they have a match, we could see Brock Lesnar in some ways warming up for Cormier on Lashley. And that's very intriguing. Mm -hmm. It you is. Know what I mean? It's much more intriguing than seeing a, a Brock wrestling match with Roman Reigns, which we've seen a bunch of times now and we're kind of frankly over. Yeah, or Braun for that matter. Or which even we saw last summer. So even Braun, and I, mean, I don't want to see Braun get punched in the head again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So, no, this is this is much more intriguing. The fact that they led in with, hey, Brock's coming back or he's getting stripped. And either way, I'm fine. I, I could see either outcome there. We, we can talk more about the Brock possibilities on our regular show. Yep. Tune in this Thursday for that. Um, there's, there's lots to discuss there. But the bottom line is whether they strip him, whether he comes in and defends against Lashley or Roman or both, uh, th now things are much more exciting when it comes to the Universal Championship. Let's see what Finally. happens tonight on Raw. Yeah, you know, see what if he shows up tonight on Raw. Uh, speaking of Raw, we had the next up. We had the Women's Championship match with Alexa Bliss uh, facing off and defending against Nia Jax in the what is the only Extreme Rules match on your Extreme Rules pay per view, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, <sighs> Pretty much. Well, I mean, unless you consider a cage match, Extreme Rules or eh, tables. Yeah. They weren't extreme rules is like yeah. full on no DQ. And anything this was goes. a very limp version of a extreme yeah. rules match. It's just at one point, uh, a whole bunch of stuff from under the stage gets thrown out for Alexa to use on, on Naya and Naya catches all of them as Alexa's trying to use them and throws them in the ring. And then they kind of half acidly get used for a couple of this. Another match that was, by the way, garbage. This was, an, you know, this was another thing that we I think we had called before. This was all about setting up uh, Ronda Rousey and Alexa Bliss for SummerSlam. Absolutely. And that's what we're going to get for the next month. Um, Ronda was in attendance in the crowd with her significant other, who I think you called out beautifully, allowed her to get whipped but with a kendo stick about two to three feet away from, her, from him. <laughs> Come on, dude. Sell. Uh, Ronda, Welcome to wrestling. Uh, it was fantastic. Ronda jumps the, at one point. No, okay. So everything breaks down. The the evil women, Mickey and Alexa, are teaming up on Natalia uh, for whatever reason uh, to, to, to take her out of the out of the match. And um, Ronda says, I'm not having this anymore. That's it. I can't. <laughs> I can't take this anymore. I was taking all I can get and I can't take no more. So she jumps the uh, she jumps the the barrier. The barricade, and uh, which if anybody else did that, they'd be stormed by security. Let's be clear. I think this was mentioned by the. I, I think uh, Corey was just going off <laughs> on this uh, for a while, but um, yeah. So she she jumps it, gets involved, and uh, was the, by the way was the most exciting part of the match. Yeah, um, the most excited I've been about Ronda Rousey yet. Yeah, I'll admit that. Um, 
you know, and, and she's kicking ass and then ultimately gets goes after Mickey James, by the way, tosses Mickey all over the place, beats the crap out of her and then takes two kendo stick shots in front of her. As you said, significant other Travis Brown, who, by the way, looks like a, a smaller, sicklier version of Braun Strowman. Yeah. If Braun Strowman um, like went on some extreme diet and lost 100 pounds. Yeah. He'd look like he's, Travis Brown. And he's actually an MMA guy. He's a heavyweight MMA guy. Yeah. Like so he, he can throw. Yeah. But he just was standing there kind of with his you know, kind of glassy eyed look on his face. Like <laughs> my girlfriend's getting beaten up in front of me and, you know, literally in front of him. And, uh, that it, like, if you're gonna allow him in the arena, at least tell him about kayfabe. Yeah, hey, right. by the way, this is, this is, I know it's, I know it, you know, it's a big haha play action thing, but play along, dude, you're on TV. <laughs> um, uh, what's next for this? Ronda gets beaten down. Uh, Nia ends up getting taken back in the ring and DDT onto a chair. Whoop de doo. Right. Alexa retains. Of course she does. Uh, lol. Alexa wins. And yeah, this was a, there. I had a, I had a bunch of complaints about this and a bunch of nitpicks. This was just, it was, it was not well worked. It was not well thought out. Very lazy. It was very lazy from top to bottom. And um, I, I, I hated the fact that Mickey James got beaten up by Ronda Rousey all over the arena, like all over the ring, like just the crap kicked out of her. Totally no, no sold it. Came right back. Kendo sticks helped Alexa out. Wasn't even like, wasn't even limping. Wasn't even sell, wasn't selling anything. I hope she got yelled at for that because that was nonsense. Um, the, the weapon spots were not really well done. Neither Alexa nor Naya really can use weapons that well. Alexa's good with a kendo stick and that's about it. Chairs, garbage cans, garbage lids, no good with any Well, they're all bigger than she is. That's that might be a part of it too, but that's yeah. not then then what's Naya's excuse? The finish was lame. Touché. The finish was lame where it just came out of nowhere super predictable. Um yeah, this was this was the only good thing about this was the brief moment of Ronda Rousey looking like electricity as soon as she got involved. It was it was fired up and then quickly doused. Nah. Um, so glad this is over. Was not a fan of this at all, which is too bad because I do like all the women working in this. When I does, when does her kayfabe suspension end? When is she back? Is uh, it is it tonight? I, I don't think she's back this raw. I think it's next raw. Okay. Um, <laughs> you ask me like I care. <laughs> like it matters. It's, it's over. It's over whenever they say it's over, really. I mean, they could have Kurt come out tonight and be like, oh, I'm extending it for another two weeks. Whatever. She'll be back when she's back. The bottom line is we're going to be building for her and Alexa at SummerSlam. We'll see what happens with that. We yes. both picked this. We both knew Alexa was winning. Oh, Again, yeah. oh, one actually, of the we specifically called that she would retain, not yeah. necessarily win, win the, the match. match. Yeah. Yeah. Although, yeah, it was, yeah. Anyway. it was predictable. Okay, moving on. We have to talk about the WWE Championship match, uh, AJ Styles versus Rusev. And this also was pretty much exactly what I thought it was going to be. Um, I was kind of surprised they let Rusev look like as much of a heroic baby face fighting against injury to try and win as yeah. they did. It felt almost like a face versus face match, except that Aiden English, for some reason, they keep booking him to make Rusev look like a heel. Uh, and while Aiden was cheating and insulting the crowd and uh, and everything. Taking the thing off the ring post. Taking the, 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 the pad the off. Turnbuckle. The turnbuckle pad off. Um, Rusev tried to work this whole match clean. Um, in fact, even heroically, like, you know, AJ was going after his leg and he had an injured leg and he was not able to put AJ into the accolade. And then he even tried to Hulk himself up, you know, hitting his leg and screaming and like trying to Hulk himself. Like that was a heroic moment. And then was unable to get it done in time. And AJ gives him a phenomenal forearm after Rusev, you know, headbutts the exposed turnbuckle accidentally. So this again, the, the dynamic with Rusev is just bizarre. And there's a whole bunch of aspects of this. It was a fine match. It was a decent match, not a four star match or anything, but no. it was fine. Yeah. But part of that is because Rusev is it's this so weird. Like the dynamic with him is just so weird and no one knows what to do about it. Do we cheer him? Do we boo him? What do you want from us? You know, and age is not nothing is AJ's fault here. He just goes out there and is phenomenal and leaves that that was all he did in this match. The real weird dynamic here was Rusev felt like a jumped up mid Carter who didn't have a defined personality beyond just it's Rusev day. And I'm, I'm, you know, kind of a good athlete, a super athlete, if you will. Yep. No, I so. saw a possibility here where they might do this with Rusev. But like you said, once Aiden started getting involved during the match, I was like, yeah, this isn't happening. Uh, it's unfortunate. I, I agree with you on Rusev. It's, it's one of those things where we want him as far as cheering or booing him. We want him to be if, 
he has gotten over with the crowd. The Rusev Day thing is still over. They're still using that almost meme in a meme kind of way to chant during other matches that he's not involved well, it's with. Well, become a protest chant. You know? Sure, sure. So I, I, what we wanted was for him to get, even if it's only transitional for a number of weeks or a couple of months, let him have a moment. Let him have a small championship reign to move on to the next set of things. Well, I think they need to define him by, more. By killing him in this position, yeah. It's only just continued to just smush him down to the lower mid card. Well, it mid, looked, you know, it, he looked like I said, he looked like a mid carder who who had a shot and did a good job at it, but just wasn't in AJ's league. Yeah, uh, and partly because of his little crony messing him up. And I'm wondering if that's where we're going to go now. Is if if we're going to address the fact that Aiden screwed him up, and then we're going to head into what looked like they were teasing about a month or so ago with uh, Aiden and uh, and Rusev and Lana all having some friction within the Rusev Day group. Um, that could be cool if they use this as a, as a springboard for that. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, you know, once again, the WWE championship does not headline a co-branded pay-per-view, which it hasn't done in over two years. Not surprising because this didn't feel like a main event match. This felt like a transitional match for AJ, which it was. Yeah. It's another, another, uh, defense, uh, for his title. Um, the real takeaway from this is where are we going to go next with Rusev? And where are we going to go next with AJ? Who's his next champ? Who's his next challenger? Who's actually going to be a legit contender who we believe might actually take it off of him? Because neither of us thought that Rusev was taking it off, and we both called for Styles here. Yep. Was not surprising when he I won. I thought there was an outside chance they would put it on Rusev as just Oof. a so AJ could go on a holiday for a month. Man, or that something. was that was so outside. It's in the next town over. Oh, yeah. It was not. So no. now I think it's over. He's over two hundred and fifty days, and I think they heard them tout he's the longest champion in five years. It's been they a while. Used that specifically to get past the CM Punk number. Still such a long way to go if he's yeah. going to beat CM Punk. Oh yeah. So I mean the Got rest of the year, almost the rest of the year, and then some. Yep. So it's I think it's that's too long. They'll they'll take it off of him. Before that, finally, we have to get to the surprise main event of the evening. Uh, it's not too surprising when you consider it's an Iron Man match in the 30 minutes. It makes sense to put it last because it would suck to have to follow this thing. Yeah. People would be exhausted uh, for the Intercontinental Championship, the Intercontinental Championship headlining a show in an Iron Man match between Dolph Ziggler and Seth Rollins. Dolph, of course, Having Drew McIntyre ringside, a uh, which they which they won on Raw when McIntyre pinned Seth to be allowed to be ringside for this, and of course he got involved. Of course, now I gotta say off the back, uh, right off the top, is I would love to have seen these two work a clean thirty minute, uh, you know what do you call it, most falls match instead of the Iron. Uh, calling this an Iron Man was stupid. Yep. Stupid. It's not an hour. It should have been one the, thing. I, I forget what the name of it, the stipulation for most falls within a time period or something like that. I think they re, they, they're using Iron Man for that now. Uh, okay. It's more like a Bronze Man or Copper Man or whatever you want to call it. It's not an Iron Man. Aluminum Foil Aluminum Man. Foil Man, right. <laughs> anyway, point is, uh, I thought this was fine until McIntyre got involved. Really? I, I didn't like that. If you're going to give me an Iron Man match set up between two guys over who can pin each other the most, the yeah. outside factor negates all of that. You know, that's a good point because I have heard people complain that these guys could have put on an all-time classic if they'd just been let alone in the ring yes. to do their thing. And I yes. do agree with yes. that. However, given the fact that that's not the dynamic of this match, my problem with it was if you're going to have outside interference... That all should have been pushed pushed back about five minutes. Right now, what they did was have five minutes of the two guys wrestling, and then Seth gets a surprise roll up on Dolph, and then it was just pinfall, 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 interference, interference, pinfall, pinfall. And that all happened within 10 minutes. And then we had another 10 minutes of the guys wrestling again and a whole bunch of near falls. That was getting us too hot for this match too quick and then giving us nothing for 10 minutes when we know the match isn't really going to mean anything to the last five minutes. It killed the match. It was actually a decision uh, as far as the timing of this that, especially with the crowd, not helping anything yeah. uh, by being distracted and doing their own thing and going into business for themselves, it really hurt this match to have it set up that way. Um, and you know the fact that ultimately ended in a draw and Kurt had to restart the match, which was you know great, okay, good little, good little bit of business there, but then instantly Drew McIntyre comes back out Claymore is, or distracts Seth, and then Seth gets a, a zigzag from behind, and one, two, three, Dolph wins officially. Wait, didn't didn't Drew McIntyre get kicked out? He did, but he came back uh, after they restarted the match. You know what I mean? Like he okay, he didn't get kicked out of the arena. He wasn't he sent was off banned from ringside for the match, though. Right. So but, now coming at Kurt coming out all, and restarting the match just un, undoes all that. It all happened so quickly. He came out of the crowd. 
You know what I mean? Oh, it was, it, but that's the point. It was interference, and it it that's the, it took away from we wanted we wanted to see when we see quote Iron Man matches, we want to see some legitimacy, some wrestling technical skill stuff. Even and these two guys would have been amazing for that. Perfect candidates yes. of that, for that. Uh, as we said, though, that wasn't what the Pittsburgh crowd wanted to see. It's what they haven't been conditioned to want to see anymore. Um, and e- but even with all of this extra kerfuffle, it didn't help. It didn't save this match because they didn't time the kerfuffle with the match properly. Fair. You know what I mean? And Fair. so the, there was a bunch of questionable booking decisions with this particular match, which is too bad because... It was, there was still some great moments in this match, and God, Ziggler is back on top after a god-awful 2017 and early 2018, and the way they were booking him over on SmackDown. He's definitely back at the top of his game. The story of Ziggler's career, (laughs) massive ups, massive downs. Um, But luckily, you know, he is still, as he always has been, a legitimately amazing wrestler, and him working with Seth uh, is just two guys at the top of their game. Where I, where I saw this playing out towards the end, as you said, we were going to get pinfall, 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 all that stuff. I saw somehow McIntyre interfering with that, but Seth still overcoming it to get the championship back, which would lead into a program with McIntyre. Now that Dolph has retained with McIntyre on his side, I don't know how we get to what I think myself and many other people want, which is a Seth and McIntyre program. How do we get to that if the championship's not involved, because Seth's just going to want to chase the championship. Of course, the championship's more important than yeah. his beef with McIntyre. And this is the question is, where is this guy? Here's the thing. We suspected Ambrose was going to run out for this. Obviously, nope. he's not healthy enough. A yeah. um, couple more months, I think. Much, much more likely he runs out at SummerSlam. It's closer to the original suspected date when he would come back. Um, and this whole feud would make more sense if it was two on two. You know, if Seth just can't handle having these two genuinely talented monster guys helping each other out. You know, Seth's good, but he's not that good. Yeah. Right. Um, and so finally, you know, his buddy has to come back. Whether whether or not D- Dean Heel turns is a whole different conversation. But the point is, is there's a lot they can still do with this. I have a feeling this does continue. We will find out tonight on Raw. Bottom line is, uh, this was what could have been an, an all-time great match, and it just did not live up to possibilities. No. And you did pick uh, Dolph to retain there. I picked I Seth indeed. to get it back because... Of what I just said. Dolph basically. has been on a roll and yep. he's got a giant Scotsman at his side. And as a Scot myself, <laughs> I've always got to go with the Scot. Well, as it normally goes down, you whipped my ass because mm-hmm. I do a lot of rainbows and butterfly picks when, you know, what <laughs> what I think would be amazing to happen and you live more in you the, pick the world with your heart. of the real. You pick with your heart. I pick with my head and my balls, sir. And yes. as a result, I have 9.5 points and you have just... Five, but, but one I of those. The but one of those five was the B team. That's worth at least two, which you still lose. Uh, overall no. feeling on the show. <laughs> overall feeling on the show, as we said at the top, pretty average show. Nothing to just scream and yell about and complain. Uh, but also nothing really to just you know fanboy over and gush. Uh, definitely some high spots, some low spots. Will be remembered for the Kevin Owens cage spot. It will probably be remembered for. One Ronda or two other Rousey things. jumping the barricade, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, That's about it, though. You know, maybe Oscar getting her head bounced off of the cage. Uh, Lashley picking up the win is definitely going to be some grist yeah. for the mill for, for the next more about the next Lashley month. getting the win, or is it more about Roman taking a loss? Uh, An interesting speculation. I, I Hopefully it's both. You know, I like the yeah. fact that they're building this idea that Roman's hubris it's fallible. Is, yeah. is he's fallible like because of his arrogance. And I'm hoping that they, like I said, I've been saying on the show, this is this is, I, I I am obviously giving way too much credit uh, here, but you know if this is some sort of Shakespearean Greek tragedy angle where his uh, his arrogance causes him to fail so much and he has to learn a lesson from that, I'm hoping that that's some some overarching theme they're going for. Yeah, uh, f- fingers crossed. Are we hopeful heading to SummerSlam? Do we, does it look like they're going in the right direction? Or are we yet. trepidatious? Not are we yet. Still worried I'm to still see, I'm still a little more? skeptically optimistic as, okay. I, as I say um, because I think what what we got out of uh, out of Extreme Rules. Was a lot. There, it seems like there were some finalities, or at least some transitional things that are going to move us forward. Yes, it'll be. I will. I'll have a lot more to say about that on Thursday after we see the shows, the programs this week, and where things go post Extreme Rules, because everything now is all about the second biggest show of the year, SummerSlam. Yep. 
So now we're going to start kicking that into full gear. And I don't know that I'm ready to start throwing that kind of stuff out there yet because I want to see what they're going to do. What's going to happen with Brock tonight? Yeah. Well, that's, and that's a great way to to say, you know, everyone, thank you for joining us for our Extreme Rules wrap up show and and recap and analysis show. We do have our regularly scheduled podcast coming up on this Thursday, our flagship show. Uh, We have a ton to talk about this week. Obviously, the fallout from from Extreme Rules on Raw and SmackDown. NXT is going to be going on 205 live and uh, naturally the G1 has started up over on New Japan and it has been as much as I've been able to catch it man it's been so much wrestling and I've had so little time but from what I've shot it out of a cannon from what I've seen so far (laughs) it's been bananas Kenny Omega versus Naito on night like like right out the bat Jay White beat Okada by the way can I throw that out there Jay White beat Okada Okada is 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 is, he's a ruin of a man right now Jay White is the chosen one Uh, Uh, at this point might be Hangman Page too he's already having a great G1 anyway we will talk a ton more about that on (laughs) Thursday I could just go off on that forever Uh, we'll talk about that on Thursday plus we went to PWG's tremendous this week and that was a fantastic show we had to talk about Walter and Young Bucks and all kinds of madness that went on uh, we will talk about that as well on our main show. In the meantime, please do not forget to go to our Busted Wide Open Facebook discussion group. It's uh, where everyone, all of, everyone who listens to our show where gets all together. all the magic happens. Yeah, we talk about a lot of fun things with wrestling. We, we talk about it live during when uh, the pay-per-view goes on. We'll, we'll throw some stuff up there. Yeah, some fun memes. Uh, great chatter uh, this weekend, guys, between both uh, the G1 stuff and Extreme Rules as it happened. But uh, if you want to show your support for the show, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. We have completely relaunched it with some all new tiers that you can get into uh, to be to contribute to the show and uh, be more a part of the show but I'm Nick Howell you can find me on Twitter at Nick Podcasts and I am Sir Ian Dangerous you can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous somebody stop the damn match this show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network for more episodes subscribe to us on iTunes Google Play or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out orbitaljigsaw.com.